Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. A couple weeks ago, before we had Pastor Daryl and Bonnie in, I started us off in a message in a series called Seated. Seated. We're going to take a look here at the beginning of this year of what it means to be seated with Christ in heavenly places, what it means to rule and reign with him, what it means to possess and operate in the same authority as Jesus. I said the same authority as Jesus, not a second tier authority, not a second class authority, not a second, this, this is not, you know, Jesus uh, and, and his power and his authorities here. And then we just try to find somewhere in the middle of, of defeat and being beaten down in life and the ultimate victory. No, we are promised the ultimate victory. Y'all sound real victorious this morning. Goodness. I said you've been promised real victory, real overcoming, real conquering. And the reason why I had to pump and prime that is why we're going to get into the word today is because you know, we, we, we have a hard time believing that. It's amazing the things that we have a hard time believing and accepting as believers. We call ourselves believers, right? And so, you know, this stuff in life, this is made available because you believe it. Not because, again, you heard it one time or not because uh, it's in a Bible so it's just automatically yours. Everything that God has for you is made available and accessed through believing. That's why your believing component in your life is the thing I have to get up here and build and encourage and strengthen. And I feel like, you know, over the course of last year and even into this year now, I feel like a, 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 it's a mix between a cheerleader and a coach. It's a coach because I'm training you and I'm developing you. And so we're going to hit some things over and over and over. Anybody played sports? Got any athletes? And, you know, I found out this week, and I'm not much of the athlete as I thought it was. You know, my son had a, a sleepover, five boys, and they ran me in the ground. And I, I didn't show it. Man, I, I was, you know, just kind of wore it. But, you know, when I went back in the house, I went back in a little more sore than probably they did. I woke up the next morning probably a little more sore than they did. Um, but, you know, playing sports, um, and that's just the metaphor that comes to me, you hear a lot of the same stuff over and over again. It's called fundamentals, right? It's called the basics. It's called the ABCs. It's called the elementary principles. Whatever, what, what, what the, 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 the foundation, the, the building blocks, whatever you want to call it. You hear a lot of the same simple stuff over and over again. That's what a coach does. That's what a coach does. They are there not just to always show you something new, but to remind you of what you already know, remind you of what you can already do, but sometimes we digress, sometimes we slip away, sometimes we, we don't stay, we don't keep that edge, we don't keep that vitality. And then the coach is not just there teaching you stuff, but they are to draw out of you what you don't even know is in you. The best coaches do that. The best coaches pull out of you what you didn't even know was there. We're getting ready to start a new baseball season with my son. And, you know, I, I let him know every year, you know, nobody's locked into a position because it's the position you play last year. I may find something from fall of last year to spring of this year, uh, you, whatever you're hungry for, whatever position you want to try out and play. And, and it's interesting. It's amazing to see stuff come out that wasn't even there just six months ago. You couldn't field a ball like that six months ago. I knew it was in you. 
And by putting yourself and applying yourself to it, now it's coming out. Now you're doing something you didn't even know you could do. But then the other side is the cheerleader. Because, and coaches do this too, man. When it comes game time and when you're in it, there's only so much a coach can do. Standing on the sidelines, running plays, getting the schemes together. But at the end of the day, who's running the play? Who's, who is working it? You are. And so I come in here on Sunday, sometimes I feel like I got to pump you up. I got to prime you. I got to remind you. I got to encourage you. I got to build you up. I got to strengthen you. Because there, there is a life out there. There is a world out there. And I'm not, this is not the grit and bear your teeth, grit your teeth and, and bear it, church. We're, we're not, you know, grit your teeth and bear it, Ministries International. We're taking it head on. I said, we're world changers. We're not just how do we get through it. We are not in survival mode. We are thriving in the midst of it, and we're seeing his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That verse does not have an expiration date. That verse is not conditional. As long as this isn't happening or this person is in office or this is taking place, that verse is always applicable to every situation, even to the worst of situations. His heaven will come. His kingdom will come and be on earth as it is in heaven if you and I do our part and so I, I, I cheerlead a little bit and I pump and I prime a little bit and I will encourage you and I will build you up and and we're gonna we're not just gonna get through it we're gonna change it I said we're gonna change it but in doing so as I was preparing this last week for the next step of seated and authority and ruling and reigning the Lord kind of stalled me a little bit and um, I, I've got to back up. I've got to back up a little bit. And I've got to reinforce some other things. Because this is what, this is the truth. This is the reality. When I get up here, what I say is not always what you hear. There's what I say, and then there's what you hear. What is it that, 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 that changes what I say into what you hear? What is it that defines that? What is it that dictates that? What is it that from the moment it leaves my lips to the point it touches your ears, what is it filtering through, cycling through, being seen through? Uh, uh, what, what are those things that we allow to get in the way that don't, us, don't allow us to receive the full word of God, the full counsel of the word of God, the full instruction, the full command, the full blessing of the word of God. There's something between here and there. And I want to cover what's in between here and there. Because if we don't straighten that out, everything, I can say you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and you'll go back to your situation. I'll say the Holy Spirit has come to empower you and to uh, cause you to be a conqueror and you'll go back to your denominational systematic believing. Y'all with me? Okay. Uh, I'll, I will say things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, by his stripes you were healed. Healing is yours. You can access it right now, divine healing. And you'll lock it up somewhere from the time it, 
it leaves my lips to the time it hits your ears. Somewhere in between there, something's going to happen, and you'll go back to grandma, what grandma said. Well, grandma fought a good fight, and, and she loved the Lord, and she died of cancer, and, and this and that, and we'll allow all this stuff. So by the time it reaches your ears, it's no longer what was on this page. And I don't have access to a special Bible. I don't have access to a book that you don't have. You have the same book sitting in front of you, which means it's for you too. God is no respecter of persons. And he wouldn't write his Bible for me and give me access to all this stuff, but then for you it doesn't work. And where it, where it gets stuck is the hearing. Where it gets thwarted, where it gets off route, is in our hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, if our hearer is broken, if our hearing is deluded, that's another word for delusional. Sometimes our hearing gets delusional. You ever met someone with delusional thinking? Ever met someone that it's because it's been diluted? It's been filtered. And, and, and filtering leaves stuff out, but it can also allow things to pass through that shouldn't have passed through if you have the wrong filter on. And Jesus addresses this filtering issue. He addresses this hearing issue here in Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of the, the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1. Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem. This is the, the top tier of the religious community. The, these are the ones that got it all together. These are the ones that are instructing others and, and, and supposed to be helping others walk in the way of the law and the way of, of God's word, which at this point is the Old Testament. It's, it's supposed to be there for the benefit of man. Um, this, is, this is the top tier people. So they know what they're talking about. And Jesus is asked a simple question. Why do your disciples break the tradition? Everyone say tradition. The tradition of the elders. For they don't wash their hands when they eat. That's what we're dealing with. Verse 2 is what we're focused on. The Pharisees and the scribes. And they're not just talking about natural purification. They're not just talking about it's unsanitary. Uh, your disciples are kind of gross. They, they don't wash their hands before they eat food. They're talking about, uh, 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 to them, a spiritual system of compliance. Have you noticed that today? That people don't really care about you. They just care about compliance to what they want you to do. Have we seen this? Are, do, we, do we see it on display right now in our country? They're not really interested. They don't care about you and their and sanitation and your cleanliness. And, 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 and you know, I, I think I've heard uh, a thousand times this last year how to wash my hands. I've been told a thousand times. Go eat at Cracker Barrel. You'll hear it about, you know, every five, five to ten minutes or so while you're eating. They'll give you a little recording. They'll give you a little, little reading. It almost makes you, what, what day and age are we living in right now? But these individuals aren't, they don't care about their cleanliness. And they don't care about their sanitation. What they care about is compliance. And they call it out. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
And we'll find out why this tradition is so dangerous. Verse 3, he answered them. But if you look at the end of that sentence, at the end of that verse, it ends with a question mark. I love it when Jesus answers with a question. Because he's not really answering you, but he's getting deeper. Jesus knew how to get deeper. Jesus knew how to get to the bottom of something. Jesus knew how to cut through all the mess, all the manipulation, all, all the, uh, you know, uh, you, know you, 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 you act like you care about my disciples and their spiritual participation in your traditions and in, in what you believe uh, uh, sanctifies us and sets us apart and makes us holy following these rules and following these instructions. But he answered them, why do you, break God's commandment because of your tradition. Man, he cut right to it. He said, you're addressing my disciples on a, on a tradition of man, a system you created. And all the while, you want my disciples to hold to your man-made tradition. You're breaking God's rules, God's system of order. Now he recognizes, look, God is a God of order. God is not just this free will moral being up in heaven just whimsically calling the shots and, and, and making up things for us to live by and adhere to. He's recognizing God is a God of order too. God is a God of instruction too. And you can live outside of his standard and you can live beyond his rule and you can actually disregard God's commands. And what you've done is you've adopted traditions and replaced God's commandments. You've adopted man-made traditions. Oh, we're good at that. We're good at that. We're, we're good at creating our way and our systems and our ideas. For those of you that have been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been talking for the last three or four weeks now on denying um, deception. I was thinking of like 18 other dis words. Dysfunction, delusion. That might be a good, good title for it. I could just change it out every week. Talking about deception. 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 Why? Because in the last days, the word tells us that many will be deceived. Many will fall away. Many will go after other things. But this is the key to deception. Deception doesn't mean I'm running hard after God. It, deception is when I think I'm chasing God when I'm not. That's the greatest level of deception. The greatest level of deception is when I believe I'm living according to God's way. Well, that's what these Pharisees and these scribes and these Sadducees are doing. They think they're upholding God's system. They think they're upholding God's plan. They think that they are moving and advancing God's mission in the earth. And Jesus is helping them see you're not. In fact, you've disregarded God's system for your own. That's deception. Deception is when we've created our way of doing things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We all can quote it, but we're not real good at doing it. We lean on our own understanding all the time. We lean on our own thinking, and that's the thing that disrupts. That's the thing that gets in the way of what I'm saying to what you're hearing. That's the thing that, that causes the disconnect. I'm leaning on something other than the word of God. I'm leaning on something other than 
God's way of doing things. He tells them, you have actually abandoned God's principles, God's commandments, for your own man-made traditions. He says, why are you getting on to my disciples about washing their hands? When I can show you time after time after time, you are disregarding God's command in the very law that you say to uphold. He's letting them know. You want to talk about traditions, let's talk about commands. Verse 4, for God said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, but you say, there's always a but you say. I say, the word of God says, and I repeat, I come into agreement. By his stripes, you are here. You are healed. But you say, come on, we do a but you say all the time. But I say, but we say, but we allow, but we believe. Man, we've got to drop this in these last days. We've got to believe the word of God for what it is. I get asked all the time, what kind of church are y'all? What do y'all preach? I just don't know how to answer that. Without sounding rude, because the answer is, we preach the Bible. <laughs> but that should, be, that should be automatic. If you're a church, you should preach the... Yeah, but we have forms. We call them denominations, right? We, we, we call them belief systems. And we, we've all attributed to or allowed a, a circle or a thought process or a belief system We've allowed it to disrupt what God's word really says. We've allowed it to disrupt what God's word really says. The Pharisees and the scribes and these elders, they're quoting the Bible that they have at this time. In fact, it was a requirement. They had to know the word. They had to know the Torah. They had to know the the Old Testament word for word. Pharisees, I mean, Paul gives off his, his resume. He calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, as a young boy, had to know this stuff, had to follow this stuff, had to adhere to this stuff. But God is not interested in behavior modification. God is not interested in in a, a level of obtaining to something naturally, but never getting somewhere in our heart. And so he's breaking this down. He says, you say to honor your father and mother, but you say whoever tells his father or mother whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. He does not have to, he does not have to honor his father or uh, he does not have to honor his father. In this way, watch this, you have nullified the word of God. See, we all know the word of God can transform and change our lives. We all know this. We know the power it contains. We know the potential it has when it gets seeded down in the life and the heart of someone, the transforming power of the word of God. But it's only the word that is applied that changes our lives. It's only the word that we put into practice, that we allow to take root in our heart and then begins to transform our lives. Only that word really works. 
Yeah, the word works. Yeah, the word. But, but if we don't do the right thing, he says, you'll actually do more damage than benefit. He says, you're nullifying it. You're actually causing it to produce nothing in your life. It's actually not producing any results. And all your adherence and all your compliance and all your rule following and, and, and all your to-do lists and all your tasks, you're not achieving anything for the kingdom of God. You're nullifying, he says, the word of God. You're making it of no effect. Why? Because of your tradition. Because of your tradition. He goes on, he calls them hypocrites, calls them out. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you. Now he's using the very word that they know and that they follow. Isaiah prophesied correctly. You know, the Old Testament's broken up in the law and in the prophets. And they adhered to the law, but they didn't follow the prophets. In fact, Jesus says, every time a prophet came to you, you stoned them, you killed them, you threw them in pits. You didn't want to hear anything they had to say. And we adhered to the law so much that we couldn't receive any more revelation beyond that. That's what he's saying. He said, I tried to send you these people and you killed them. And he knows I'm coming to you as well. I'm the word made flesh and you killed that too. You see what man's response is to the word of God if we don't have the right heart? We don't have the right response. If we value our opinions, our traditions, our ideas, our rules, our systems above what the word of God says, we will kill it. They did it to every prophet that came to them and they did it to Jesus himself. Great thing is you can't remove the word of God. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the grass withers, the flower fades, but my word, of, my word will never pass away. He says you can't get rid of it. No matter how many attempts, no matter how many times you cut the head off, no matter how many, no matter how many times you crucify it, no matter how many times you try to destroy it, it will come back and it will stand right in front of you and say, this is the word of the Lord. Will you follow? Will you adhere? Will you Respond. He calls them hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips. But their what? Their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, he says. Teaching as doctrines human commands. Teaching as doctrines oh we've done this too we take our doctrines and we make them God's word we try to exalt them to the level of God's word we try to exalt our opinions we try to exalt our ideas we try to exalt our systems to the level of God's word but yet your heart far from me I don't have your heart I want to give you four ways, four, this is a progression. This is a progression. Four mistakes we make when hearing the word of God. Four mistakes that we make when hearing the word of God. We come to church, we hear our sermon, we write down our notes. You know, some of us have full Bibles, but, or full notebooks, but empty lives. Full notebooks, lots of notes, pages and pages. But yet it's not producing anything 
in our lives. I want this to be the last day the word doesn't produce in your life. I want this to be the last day that you hear something from the word of God and it's nullified by tradition. And look, we all have them. I'm not standing up here telling you I don't. I have to, I have to kill sacred cows. Sometimes I'm up here stepping on my own toes. Toe stepping ministries international right here. We'll step on them. Look, I, I just, I don't want anything in my life exalted above the word of God. I don't want any tradition, any thought, any doctrine, anything, any belief system. I, I'm thankful for my parents. They raised me in church, but I don't want to just believe it because that's what I've always heard. How many times do we exalt our past and our history over what God's word says? So this is a progression. Number one, we reduce. We reduce the word. We reduce the word to what's palatable. Oh, we're living in that day and age. Let me put it this way. I think we're coming out of that day and age. I'm flipping that thing because I'm tired of saying that we're living in it like people can't receive the word of God. I believe the day's coming where you're gonna realize you've been feeding on manure that bad. And when you get to taste the truth, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you get to taste the reality and get to taste the truth of the word of God, it's gonna make you so hungry for it. You're gonna run so far away from that mess. You're gonna abandon those systems. You're gonna, you're gonna leave those settings. You're gonna come out of those environments. You're gonna recognize they had me imprisoned. They had me bound. Why didn't they teach me this? Why didn't they show me this? Why didn't they allow me to do this? Why didn't they allow this operation? Why didn't they get me the full counsel of the word of God? We're going to run away from those things so hard and go towards the things of God so hard. That's the day and age I believe that's coming. I believe we're making a turn. But what we do, we reduce. We reduce it to our experiences. We reduce it to our history. We reduce it to what is comfortable. Oh, yeah. And look, we didn't just start doing this. 2,000 years. They did it in the book of Acts. They did it in Hebrews. They did it in the letters that Paul was writing to the churches. There's been a, a, a misunderstanding and, and a, a misorientating of God's word from the very beginning. That's what the enemy comes after. You know the enemy's not after you. He's after you getting the word. He's after you getting a hold of the word. Stop going to church. Stop living for God. Stop reading your Bible. And see how little the devil bothers you. I'm now, now living outside of God's system, you're going to incur some. But, but just, just watch the, how little oppression you're going to face. Right? And this is what we say. I thought when I got saved, life was going to get better. No, you put a bullseye on your back. And then you start going to a church that preaches the word. And now you realize every Monday morning he's bothering you with something. Now you realize he's, he's tapping on your shoulder. 
And what did you think about that message? That, that healing stuff, you, you think that's real? Well, how's your body feeling right now? You, you think it still works? That's the devil. How do I know he does this? Matthew chapter 13. The enemy comes to snatch up the word that was sown. And I told you before, you don't wait very long. Some of y'all won't make it out of this parking lot and he's already snatching. Sure is. Some things happened last weekend. Some powerful things happened last weekend. And guess what the enemy's been doing to you all week? Especially those that received, those that got something. If you don't have anything, then the enemy's not coming after you. You pose no threat to him. He'll leave you alone. Get the word of God in your heart. Get it in your ears. Get it in your spirit. And now he comes knocking. Now he comes tapping. Now he comes investigating. What did you hear? What were they telling you over there at that, that Anchor Faith Church? What, were, what, 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 what did they say? Now he gets interested. Okay? So we reduce it. There's two postures that you came in here with today. Everybody. You came in here consciously, subconsciously, intentionally, unintentionally, whatever. You came in here. There's two different postures that everybody walked into this room with. One, what I already know about this subject. What I already know about this subject. You exalt what you already know. Or you can come in with the posture, what I want to know about this subject. There's what I already know, and then there's what I want to know. Do you see the two different the, 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 the two different postures? Now, you're not trying to get me to agree with what you already know. Now you're yielding and you're being led by the Holy Spirit. Show me what I don't know. Show me what I haven't seen. Show me what, what, it, what illuminate my mind. That's why he's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's why he's called the spirit of truth. Why? Because there's something that I always need to see that I don't yet see. And there's something I need to hear that I don't yet hear. When we're addressing being seated with Christ, to, there, to whatever level that's developed to, everybody in here has what you already know, or you can come in with, this is what I want to know. Holy Spirit, what do I need to know about being seated with Christ? Holy Spirit, what do I need to know about ruling and reigning? Holy Spirit, what do I need to know about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? And it might be very little that you know. It might be a lot. Any subject that's spoken, any, any subject that's taught, we can face with one of these two postures. And these are postures of the heart. These are postures of the heart. And I can promise you, if you come in and you say, I'm coming today to discover something I don't yet know, you will walk away with something you did not know. You'll walk away with truth. You'll walk away illuminated in your mind, illuminated in your heart illuminated in your spirit amen but we reduce we reduce the word of God here's a question that can challenge you if you're reducing just a simple question 
What do you already know that is keeping you from what you could know? Not a yes or no question, because all of us have obtained a level of knowledge that if we're not careful, will eliminate us from ever growing anymore. Our knowing will keep us from growing. Our knowing will keep us from growing. I told you that the Pharisees and the scribes and the the elders, they, they were the top tier. Jesus is talking to the most intellectual, the most educated. Jesus is addressing the ones that should have it all together. And those were the ones that were the greatest scourge to his ministry. Those were the ones that were the greatest oppression and ultimately killed him, crucified him. The most intellectual, the ones that knew it all. You know who Jesus had an easy time ministering to? Those that were spoken of later, these are uneducated men, but yet they've turned the world upside down. I'm not saying our natural knowing and our natural learning, we shouldn't try to obtain to that. I'm saying don't ever obtain to that to try to figure it all out. You still have to rely on the Holy Spirit to show you and to teach you and to prod you and to speak to you and to lead you. You will never grow past your need to be led by the Holy Spirit and to be taught by the Holy Spirit, to receive his wisdom and to receive his knowledge on any given subject. We will never grow past that. We've never figured it all out. So what have you, what do you know now? What have you obtained to in your knowledge? What have you obtained to in your heart? What have you obtained to in your spirit that is eliminating or keeping you from growing in the things of God? Amen. We reduce it. The second stage, the second mistake that we make is we resist. We resist. At this level, we find reasons not to believe. Instead of searching for reasons to believe, instead of searching out the scriptures to know them, we search out the scriptures to argue the word. We search out the scripture to confront what's being said. Even if you're taking notes and you're writing something down and you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I understand that. I don't know if I grab, at least write it down with the notion in your spirit. I need to discover the truth on this. I'm human. I've told our church before, maybe not in a while, but I've told our church before, don't ever believe something because I say it. Don't ever just believe something because Pastor Mark preaches it. Don't, this is not my doctrine. This is not my belief. This is not, well, this is what we preach at Anchor Faith Church. And we preach the word of God and we do the best job we can, but we're also human. And if I miss it, if I blow it, if I'm off the mark, I'll be the first one stand here in front of everybody and say, I was preaching this incorrectly. I missed it and I need to correct it in front of you. Absolutely. Because my heart is to know the truth. And as a communicator of truth, and as a communi- as one that is a teaching, as a one that is helping, as a one that is assisting and leading you, as one that is equipping the saints for the work of ministry, I take that responsibility very highly. I don't preach stuff I don't fully understand. 
I don't preach stuff I don't have a full grasp on. I'll go a step further. I don't preach stuff I'm currently going through. Oh, I've heard a lot of ministers go that route because they desire to be relevant. They desire to get up here. I'm just like you going through stuff. And I don't, nope, I'm gonna study the scripture because my position is too of high of value to even unintentionally lead you down a path of believing something that's not. If I don't know it, I don't teach it. But I desire to know. I don't skip it. I don't skip over it. I've had people tell me that, that, that you know, their churches didn't preach certain things and they had confronted or addressed their pastor and their pastor said, well, you know, we, we just don't preach it because we just, we don't know it. Then desire to know it. If it's in the word, I want to know it. I don't want to leave it out. I don't want to leave that off to the side. I, I, I don't want to, man, if it's on the menu, I want to try it. If it's there, I want to make it available to my life and I want to make it available to you. And they'll be held accountable for that. I'll be held accountable. I told our church Wednesday, I've said it before, that a pastor told me when we were first starting, he said, you need to know that anything you neglect or abandon to teach, you can expect your people to struggle in. If I don't teach on finances because it's too touchy of a subject to talk about money, then guess where I can expect you to struggle? In your finances. If I don't teach and preach on the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then guess where I can expect you to struggle? Why? Because it's the word that brings life. It's the word that strengthens. And if I'm not willing to go there, then I'm not going to be able to see you get victory in that arena of your life. So we've got to cover it. Paul said, I, I thank God I did not refrain from giving you the whole counsel of the word. But this position of resisting, we reduce it to our experiences, to our comfort, to our convenience, to, to what we have heard. And then the next stage is we resist. This is truth met with stubbornness. Truth met with stubbornness. Truth of the word of God hits a wall of religion, a wall of restricting, a wall of hindrance. It's a mistake that we make when we're hearing the word of God. Don't resist. If you don't know, desire to know, desire to learn, desire to figure it out. And you know where, it, you know a great place to go. Let me give you an it's an incredible resource. I've used it for years. An amazing resource. This book is, is one of, is, is probably my favorite book as a resource for knowing the word of God. Who wants to know? Who wants to know what that book is? It's the Bible. It's, it's incredible. It's an, it's an incredible supplement. It's an incredible resource. You wanna know what the word of God says? Y'all were ready to write that one down, man. I had y'all on the edge of your seat. Give me the author. There's over 40 of them. They never once disagreed. They only built on each other. 
written over 1,600 years period of time, not one time did they disagree. You can't get two people to, to not agree on the same day. Come on, it's the word of God. Don't, don't, don't come, I'm just going to warn you now. Don't come to a meeting with me on a subject of the word of God and then bring some book or podcast or teacher. I don't want to hear it. Show me scripture. Show me in the Bible. Because guess what? The Bible will never disagree with itself. You know, you know who gets used the most when people want to talk to me about the word of God and they, they have a different revelation or they see something, you know who gets used the most? The Holy Spirit. I'm serious. And I, I, I tell the Holy Spirit for them, I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they think you, the Holy Spirit, are going to tell them something different than what's already in the Bible. Because your word your son said he will only tell you what the father says. He will remind you of the things that I said. And I don't speak on, not one of the three. You cannot get the Holy Spirit to disagree with God. Now what I do when I have those conversations, I take my hands off. To I me, mean, if you're so convinced that the Holy Spirit has shown you something that obviously does not agree with the Bible, the conversation's over. I mean, if you're convinced the Holy Spirit showed you, then who do I think I'm going to, what do I think I'm going to do? My hand's off. So just letting you know, you bring, well, the Holy Spirit showed me, the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation. It better align with the Bible. It better align with what God's word says. He will not disagree with himself. Holy Spirit, you're not going to clue the Holy Spirit in on something that you figured out that he hasn't figured out already. He knows the end from the beginning. Y'all with me? So we meet it with resistance. We meet it with resistance. So here's a question that will help you. Here's a question that will help you. How much convincing do you need? How much convincing do you need? By his stripes you were healed. How much convincing do you need that he's for you, not against you? How much convincing do you need that his blood not just covers, but it wipes away all sins as far as the east is from the west? How much convincing do you need that if you confess with your, your, your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved? How much convincing do you need that if you ask the Lord to fill you and baptize you in his Holy Spirit, just like he did in Acts chapter 2, that he'll do it? How much convincing do you need The level of convincing that you need is the level of resistance you might be pushing back with. Might be an indicator, and I'm not as open to that as I thought I was. It's with open hearts that we receive the word. God's not going to try to squeeze that seed into the ground. Go back and look at the parable of the sower. It says he scatters the seed. It doesn't say he gets on, get down in there, that's my word, get it. <laughs> he scatters it. If you're open and receptive to it, you'll receive it. It'll take root. It'll produce fruit. 
He's not going to shove it down in you. You know what Jesus told his disciples to do if, if people didn't respond to the gospel of the kingdom? Shake the dust off their feet and go on to the next town. And that might be for some of us that are on the flip side of that. You've been trying to get someone to see it a certain way. Give it to the Holy Spirit, man. You'll wear yourself out. You'll make yourself anxious. You'll, you'll, you will ruin your own belief system trying to get somebody else to get it and understand it. Give them to the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, I put the seed out. I'm not going to try to shove it down in there. And if you become open and receptive, I thank God that I was there to put the seed in the ground. So we reduce, we resist. Number three, we reject. We reject. This is a full-on decision of the mind not to believe. This is a full-on decision of the mind not to believe. When you reject, there is no receptivity to the word of God at all. That's the, that's the worst place to be when hearing the word. Sometimes we get so hard. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there are some things we need to reject. That's why you need to be coming on Wednesdays. What you doing this Wednesday? What are you doing Wednesday night? Y'all should be asking each other that. What are, you, what are you doing Wednesday? You should come to midweek with me. We're not in here that long, I promise. Well, I can't say I promise because it's not really up to me. Most of the time, <laughs> I can't, can't go that far. I can't make any promises. This will be the first Wednesday we go till 930. We're all slain out and your kids are hanging teachers upside down back there. That'd be the one week. I'm sorry, I I didn't plan it. I didn't put it together. No, we're here to teach the word. That's what we're doing. And discernment will help you reject the things that we don't need to just be swallowing. It says a sign of an immature believer is we're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That means that there's some winds of doctrine that we just don't need to be catching on to. We don't need to be tossed to and fro. We need to be locked in on a foundation, but... but, but how, how, are, how do we end up rejecting? No reception. Uh, you, you, you turn me off at this. No, we need hearts that are pliable, moldable, open to the word, teachable. But man, when we enter into rejection mode, when we enter into a state where there's nothing else, we, we could close ourselves off from other truths because we got shut off here. Now, I'll be honest, when we first started our church, we've always been spirit-filled, but I would probably, I, I would not be far out there to say that the majority of our church was not spirit-filled. And understanding our demographic and understanding our location and understanding, you know, where we we're at and, and, and the community that we're in, we, I was led by the Spirit in how to address the subject you know what Jesus did when people were not receptive to his ministry? He taught. In Mark chapter 6, he goes to his own hometown, and they rejected him. It says, they rejected him. Who's this guy? Wait, that, that, that's Jesus. We know him. 
He built our table. He built the boys' beds. That carpenter son. Oh, we know his mom. Mary, yeah, we know Mary. I went to school with him. And it says that he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Unbelief, why? Familiarity. And they rejected him. He was rejected in his own hometown. So you know what it says he went about doing? Teaching. He went about the villages teaching. Doing what? Getting the word of God in them. Getting the word in them. That's that's what we did. I didn't try to cram it down people's throats. I didn't try to lay hands on the whole church and get them spirit-filled on my own power. You had to be receptive to it. And there's probably other spirit-filled members are like, why aren't we all spirit-filled yet? Why are we going so slow? Because we're being led by the spirit and how to address the subject. If I can tell you right now, there's probably a lot more else that we preach that you'd agree with. And they came and they learned and they grew. And many of them received the life of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we were the one church that wasn't weird about it. I don't know. Maybe they had heard things about spirit-filled churches like, whoa, we don't want any of that going on. And I get it. I've seen it all. I have seen it all. But when you enter your, when your heart enters a position of rejection to the word, As as a pastor, I don't just get up here and preach. I'm sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing. But I'm also sensitive. You know, there's a discerning of spirits. Sometimes he's not the only one operating. There's a spirit of confusion, a spirit of disruption. There's been times in the worship team, the production team, they they wouldn't know it. But on days where Stuff was going haywire, stuff's not working, not getting our transitions down or, or literal technical difficulties. Or sometimes the messages where I had a weighty word that day and I knew this isn't just a technical difficulty. This is a spiritual distra- distraction, disruption taking place. Why? Because the enemy comes to steal the word. He doesn't want you getting what we're preaching. Then he'll disrupt. And so I got to be mindful of that. And I, I, I watch your responses. Yeah, I watch them. I don't really pay attention to them that much. People will tell me, uh, yeah, sorry for having to get up. Didn't know you did. I'm preaching. I, I'm not paying attention to you. I'm not paying attention to where you're going. Sometimes I see it. Sometimes I don't. But I'm, I'm discerning spiritually of the temperature of the room. Are you receptive or do I need a pro- I knew a couple of weeks ago, I felt it. I was like, man. And I even called it out. I called it out in service. I promise I wasn't mad. Irritated, but I wasn't mad. But I am. A, 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 I'm a little irritated at what the church has created. We created this problem of weakness and where we could only take things through a straw. And so when I sit down steak and potatoes in front of you, we're like, oh, you got to chew this? And that's why we're preaching what we're preaching today. Because I, I had people reducing it. I had people resisting it. There's people rejecting it. Hello? 
There's another word, it's called repent. I thank God when I heard truths that at first I was like, oh man, I, I repented and I saw it in the word and I walked in it. This is simple. It's not hard, it's not complex. It doesn't have to be difficult. But that level of rejection, that level of rejection. Matthew chapter 13, two chapters over. In, in discussing the parable of the sower, I'm gonna read this to you in the Amplified. It'll be on the screen behind me. Matthew chapter 13, he's talking about the parable of the sower. It says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the crowds in parables? Why is he, why is he speaking to them in a way that just doesn't seem super clear? Doesn't seem like you're really getting to the point, Jesus. Like you're, you're, you're telling them stories and stuff. What, what, what application is this? And Jesus replied to them, to them, the disciples. Now remember, he just taught the multitude, a whole bunch of people, the parable of the sower. Now he turns to his disciples. So there's like 12 of them. Multitude, 12. Us, them. Why do you talk to them, the crowds? In parables, and Jesus replied to them, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To you, it has been granted. Look at this passage. Look at these words here. To you, that's exclusive. To you, it's been given. I've given you access. Oh, so he is a respecter of persons. He gave to that person something that he didn't give to that person. What? I mean, why, why would you do that, Jesus? Why would you withhold? Because the disciples know there's more to what he's saying, and he's just not getting there. Like you, you gave the story of the the, the, the sower, and, and he's he's casting seed, but 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 what, why why are you withholding? Why aren't you just telling them everything that's there? He says to you. It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Mysteries meaning it's hidden, right? It's a mystery. If you read a mystery novel, they don't tell you what's going to happen at the beginning of the book. They tell you at the end. It's a mystery. You have to figure it out. It's a mystery of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been granted. They realize there's a line in the sand. There's an us and there's a them. And they heard Jesus' teaching. We've heard Jesus' teaching. But how come to us, we've been given access to something they haven't been given? Well, he goes on to say. It's been granted for you to know the mysteries. But to them, it has not. And he explains it. Verse 12. For whoever has spiritual wisdom because he is receptive to God's word receptive to God's word. To him, more will be given and he will be richly and abundantly supplied. But whoever does not have spiritual wisdom because he has devalued God's word, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is the reason I speak to the crowds in parables, because while having the power of seeing, they do not see, and while having the power of hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand and grasp spiritual things. What is he saying? He says it's actually on the hearer. 
I'm not withholding anything. They're rejecting it. He says, they have the same power to hear you have. They have the same power and ability to see as you have. There's no difference. Everybody in this room right now, you have a power to hear. You have a power to see. He says, it's the level of spiritual wisdom and value for the word of God. I said, it's the level of spiritual wisdom and value of the word of God. And both of those are on the hearer. First one, spiritual wisdom. Did you walk in here today, maybe in your heart, maybe you verbally said it, in the car on the way, when you woke up this morning, you woke up, man, it's Sunday, today's church, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to hear the word. You got in the car, we're driving to church, you know where you're going, you're not here by accident, you came and you walked into these doors. At any point, did you stop and ask the Holy Spirit, to illuminate your heart and your mind. At any point did you say, okay, Father, today I'm going to go to church and I'm going to hear a word. Pastor Mark is going to deliver a word. And I pray that I have eyes to see and I have ears to hear. Now, here's the great thing. I pray that over you every weekend. Every service. And in messages like these where I feel that weight and I feel that burden, I'll pray all morning. I mean, I'll be walking through here. I mean, even before and, and, and after sound check, I was praying under my breath, praying in the spirit, praying in English, praying that you would be receptive, praying that the Holy Spirit would illuminate and open up your mind, open up your heart, open up your eyes. Because it's the power and the ability of the hearer to lean into that spiritual wisdom. Why? Because what I'm teaching, it's not naturally discerned. I'm not trying to give you the latest, the hippest, the coolest, the, the, the greatest. I, I, I'm horrible with examples. I'm horrible um, with, um, what, what, what are they using? Youth ministry and children's ministry. Um, just object lessons. I'm, I can't even, I don't, can't even think of object lessons. I can't even think of the words object lessons, much less think of an object lesson. I'll usually think of an object lesson after my message. Oh, this would have been awesome to do. I'm horrible with those things. But what I am good at is asking the Holy Spirit to help you and asking the Spirit to, hold, to help me. Because I need the Holy Spirit to help me say it you need the Holy Spirit to help you hear it. Then you've got to turn on your eyes to see and your ears to hear. You have the power to. We all have the ability to. But will we do it? Will we come in here and say, Holy Spirit, let me see with your eyes today. Let me see with your ears. He says, those that have spiritual wisdom because he's receptive to the word and then there's those that have that do not have spiritual wisdom because they devalued the word
So here's the question for rejection. I've given you questions on all, why? Because I want you to challenge yourself on the inside. What is my level of receptivity to God's word today? What is my level of receptivity to God's word today? Everybody came in with a level. Put it on one to five, one to 10. What's your scale of receptivity today? And whatever gap isn't all the way there is room for rejection. What have I become familiar with? Why did they not receive when Jesus had the power to heal them in Mark chapter six? They rejected him because of familiarity. They weren't receptive to his ministry. They weren't receptive that possibly God could have moved upon this man's life who grew up right around him and they saw and they knew and they, they, they knew who this guy was. They weren't aware to it. What was your level of receptivity? A five out of 10? An eight out of 10? Now there's one more step. You think, well, rejection, that's it. I mean, you reject it. Don't want anything to do with it. No, we, we have one more. The next level is we revise. We reduce it to what we can accept, to what we can believe, to what's comfortable, what's convenient, what's palatable. We resist it. Now we're not receptive to it. We're finding reasons not to believe it. Then we reject it altogether. Not teachable, not receptive. Who, who is this guy? Who is this? What is this word? What is this message? What is this subject? Rejection. But then from there, we revise and we come up with our own way of believing something. You come up with your own argument. You come up with your own position. You come up with what you think that scripture is saying. How do I know this to be true? Because Jesus said, you have replaced the commandments of God with traditions of men. See, we don't ever leave it as, no, I don't want anything to do with that. No, we come up with our own system and our own way of achieving the same desired result. We come up with our own. We, we're, we are good revisionists. And you, you know, we usually make, we usually revise things to our standards. See, when God wrote his word, he was thinking of you. Not of himself. When he wrote his word, he put everything in there for your benefit. When people revise God's word, they think of themselves. How, how will it benefit me? How will this benefit my thought process? How will this benefit my behavior? How can I revise this so it tolerates what I believe is acceptable? <laughs> yeah. We revise it in a way that makes it allowable and acceptable. And we modify the word to us instead of modifying our lives to the word. We modify the word to tolerate and make room for all of our issues 
We do this with sin. We do this with how we treat people. We do this with our political stances and positions. We do this with our denominational thought processes. We, we do this with our experiences in life. People have revised and rewritten the word of God to tolerate an experience they had. We do it. So, what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, I've got one more word for you. There's another re-word that will help you. It's the answer for all. It's the answer for reducing. It's the answer for resisting. It's the answer for rejecting. It's the answer for revising. And it's found in Romans chapter 12. He says to renew your mind. Renew. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God, a view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may discern, we were talking about discernment on Wednesdays, you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. My reducing, my resisting, my rejecting, and my revising is all subject to my renewing. If I will renew my mind, if I will allow the word of God instead of, instead of modifying it to what I can believe, instead of creating traditions of men, follow the principles of God and allow those standards, allow his word to transform my life. Worship team, if you come. To transform. He promises you it will transform your life will change everything about you you don't like. It will change everything about you that you hate. It will change everything about you that you're, you're working to accept, but you know you don't need to. Don't reduce the word to your experience. Don't resist the word and try to argue it. Don't reject the word and turn yourself off where you don't even value the word of God anymore. Some of us walk in rejecting the word. Some of us walk in and, and, and we say, eh, this ain't going to do nothing. My kids like it here. This is where my wife wants to go. The only reason I go is because my husband wants to go there. Whew. It's giving room for the enemy to work on the word that's being sown. Not thrown. We're not throwing seed. We're sowing seed placing it intentionally for you to receive, placing it intentionally so you can open your heart to it and say, how can this word transform my life today? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. 
If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.